today we are talking with Jen and Manny from Aldez Tequila. Um, Manny has many decades in the hospitality industry, many uh, many years with the tequila industry, and he and his wife are building their own company. They're building their own tequila company, gin company, and they just launched the Mezcal. Uh, very interesting story, power couple. Um, her background is marketing. He is in sales. So uh, they complement each other and they're doing very, very well in this agave category. So uh, stick around and hear their story. Okay, I'm here with uh, Jen and Manny, um, Aldez Tequila, plus other brands. Um, I think before I, I start peppering you guys with some questions, I think the best thing to do is just tell everyone who you are and uh, what you guys are up to these days. Awesome. I am Jen Exvaldez, and I am one of the founders, you're looking at the two of them, of um, Aldez Tequila, which is actually part of a portfolio of spirits that falls under our parent company that we also own called Drink Good Spirits. And so Drink Good Spirits really specializes in craft spirits from the old world, which we consider Spain, in the new world, which is Mexico, down to Argentina or Chile. And um, we're excited to be here with you. Awesome. Myself, my name is Manuel Exualdez, my wife, Jen, we've co-found uh, the company. And she said everything. I mean, I, I don't think I can add anything else. I've been in the industry for many years and it's great to see you, Walter. It's been a while. So, so yeah, we're excited to be here. Awesome. It's, it's really good to see you, my friend. And, uh, you know, I guess, what I really want to know is me being a business owner, I work directly with my wife. I don't want to, I mean, I guess I'm just going to put you both on the spot right now. Tell me how it is living with somebody, working with somebody. Give me, give me the good, the bad, the, the craziness. How, what is it like? And anyone can answer first. What is it like working directly with your spouse? For us, I've been great. And I can tell you, it's been great because we went through COVID and we're still together. Mm -hmm. It's actually make us stronger. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we started the company before COVID um, and then we went through the COVID. We were, you know, in one place for many, many months. It was over a year. So for me, it was a regular transition. We do different things in the organization. I mean, uh, she's in charge of everything related with the marketing part of the of the company, also design. I specialize more about the liquid, what are we going to be creating, and the commercial part of the business. So it's a perfect union the way I feel because I mean uh, we have you know uh, discussions about specific subjects, but we all the time you know come to an agreement extremely quickly because we go in the same direction that is develop our company and and the different brands that we have. All right. All right. Jen, your side. My view. Yeah, I think <laughs> I agree. I think that uh, we have complementary skills and we don't really overlap. So we mm. don't really have anything to argue about because I don't know much about the sales side or the, the numbers. And then he really is not real good with the marketing aspect or creative. Mm. Mm. Um, so we bounce ideas off of each other. So probably on the on the downside when you work with your partner you never stop working yeah, everything yes. is work and so it's you know trying to make sure we intentionally find time to not always be talking about yeah. spirits you know? so, so Walter you know we work part-time seven days a week 24 hours almost yeah I mean and it's normal but the thing is when you do something that is you're passionate about you don't feel like you work a day in your life. Right. And you hear that other people saying it, but you have to leave it and go through it to understand exactly when you create something and you feel so strongly about, 
you don't feel like you work a day in your life. You just have difficulties like any other company, but at the yep. same time, I mean, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's interesting. And I, I remember during the pandemic, I looked at my wife too, and I was like, thank God I love you. Cause like this, <laughs> this, this could be bad. Like this could be really bad. Um, and you know, we got through it, but it's like, yeah. And, and to your point, if you're doing something that you do love, um, and you do have complementary skills. Like my wife, she hates the numbers. She hates the sales, but she's creative. She's, you know, artistic. Like she's the one designing things. And like when you go to an Arte Gave event, it's all her that put everything together. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about clothing. I don't know anything about design. Like just make me look good and let That's me go do what I like do. If, if Manuel started having opinions about creative, there may be issues. Yeah, but... and, I, and I, honestly, I get to a point that I, I let I, I tell this story of exactly what we're gonna do, and she goes, "Oh, I get it. I, no, no, don't have to tell me anything else. I already got it." And, I, and when you see all our labels and everything that we do, we just find the people that we want to engage with and work with, and she put all the creative and translate the story they want to convey to the consumers through an aspect that I don't, it's not my forte. I mean, when it comes yeah. to label design, what is going to be the direction, with the, what we want, we want consumers to see about our story or how communicate that part is, is extremely important, as important as the liquid inside. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. And I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, I got these ideas and I got this thing that I sort of want to do. And she's like, huh? And then and then she starts kind of creating it and putting it into a nice little thing. I'm like, yes, that's what's in my head, what you're doing right now. And, and, and I feel that because, I mean, usually, I mean, I always like um, 20 steps ahead when it comes into innovation and the direction of the company. And she's the only one that can understand me when it comes into, okay, I know exactly what we're going to be doing five years from now, six years from now. And she say, well, take a step back. We already, we understand each other, but not to everybody else. So I'm like, I, I just the finished the label design for the gym now. and i'm already thinking about something else but i mean that's the entrepreneur life that's the innovator's life yeah but keep us moving good it's not it's nice to hear because i'm i'm the same way and i try to slow down for my wife too she's like i'm working on this thing i'm like okay well, when you're done just one more thing I, I promise and then i'll have yeah so so i mean so manny we've known each other for quite a while yeah. brands and brands ago like what um for you you know obviously you've been in the tequila world for a while jen i don't know i don't know much of your your background but like manny why was uh why your own brand is just from the things that you've learned working for past brands or you know what was your aha moment of being like not working for tequila brands anymore. I'm going to create my own brand. Tell me about that progression uh, over the last few years. No, yeah. I've been most, all my career, I've been in the spirit industry. I started at a very young age, as you know, and we ran into each other, I mean, in New York uh, almost over a decade ago. But before that, I mean, I was started in, in Texas with, uh, you know, the big brands, how we call them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of learning. I mean, uh, when you start working for those corporations, it's, it's, like, it's a school after school. I mean, you get to experience every single aspect from the marketing side, execution, innovation. So I felt very passionate about doing it. And we started, you know, you start like checking boxes. Okay, I already learned this. I already learned that. So, and it's not something that is fast. I mean, um, it takes decades to, to master, but it gets to a point that you get to a position in your life to say like, hey, I, now I see exactly what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And it's time to do something. And when you connect all the dots, 
and you're able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is what you're going to ask people to do. And you know how to do it. It's, it's, it makes sense to, to do it at that point. Is that we, we don't have any missing uh, points uh, or anything that we can look later and say, well, this is going to be hard or we're going to have to source that. But for us, that was the direction. And that point, almost seven years ago, we were like, let's go ahead and, and do it. We're going to, we want to control. I knew exactly the direction. We sit down, we talk about this gen food, a phenomenal business plan together. And we have, we hit the route. And I said, okay, what, what is, what do we have to do first? What is second? What is third? Until the brands came along. So, I mean, um, it's something that for me was natural. Mm. Yeah. So why, um, I mean, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, I mean, we do Arte Agave. We're working mm -hmm. with a lot of different tequila brands, mezcal brands. You know, tell me, tell me about this, the business itself. Like, I mean, I see almost, I feel like there's a new tequila brand coming on the market every week. There is every week that is, that is a new brand coming along. But when you, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I'm honest with you, I don't know to do anything else but what I do. I mean, yep. I never have any other job outside the industry. So when I see all these brands coming in and out, I mean, it's just, for me, it's noise. I mean, yep. I, I'm, we're very focused on what we do and we understand that. And we're just patient. I mean, it's, and that's what you learn from corporations. They have all these strategies behind it, but they're competing against thousands of brands as well. And it's just being tactical and understanding the market. So for me, that's exactly what I did. Seeing all those brands and doing something that differentiates us from the major guys, because one of the main concerns that we have when we start the company is, okay, what are we going to do that is different than these corporations right. are doing? or major brands that are not corporations are doing, because if we do the same, we were not going to survive. So that's part, that's how we start the research. Okay, I know exactly how those guys operate. I know I know how much money they have, <laughs> how they use it. What can I do to be different in a competitive market? Not so much from the consumer aspect, even, you know, it's more out of the operational aspect of it. What is going to give you that edge? And then consumers, when you set it up, I'm going to say like, wow, this is something different. And that's what we start doing when we start the company. And like for us, a lot of the corporate brands are, you know, they don't really have a soul. They're just created as another space on the shelf to yeah. make money. And all of our brands are very thoughtfully produced from everything from pieces of the labels and the design and tells a story. It tells our story. So it's kind of uh, important for us to have something with meaning and not just uh, another bottle on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. So how many, you have the tequila and then you have a, a gin as well? Yeah, we have a gin. We're about to launch the mezcal. Jeez. So I mean, uh, yeah, the tequila is now, it's going to be four years and in, in August when we launch it and it started in New Jersey, then New York, and now we're spending to other markets. And, and now uh, in the next six weeks, uh, we say the third week of July, we're going to be launching our mezcal. Here's so, the tequila. We actually yeah. are, this format is not out yet. This is the 375. It will be out oh, cool. October, November, and December. So we have the three variants of the tequila there. Yeah. Wow. And also the mezcal, I'm going to show you the 75. And I'll tell you a little bit about how, what was the aspect of production, how yeah. we know that part where we say, this is what we want to do, because that's what is special. Consumer might see it, oh, it's one more bottle of mezcal, it's one more bottle of tequila. Tell me exactly what will make you different. So this is the the mezcal and then the gin that we launched uh, six months ago. Whoa. I mean, uh, that we produce in Spain. So yeah, so we're building a portfolio of artisanal brands from either Spain, like you say, and from Mexico down. 
what it makes us different, that's what is, uh, for us, is our passion. I mean, when we sell these companies, we say, okay, we're going to do things slightly different. I mean, corporations, they're always looking at their bottom line. They're looking at how efficient they can be their production. Yeah. They're looking into sustainability. Now, I start hearing it, but seven years ago, nobody talked about eco-friendly, sustainable, yeah. untouched, manipulated. That's now. But we started seven years ago with the same concept. So that's exactly what we did. When we started the company, we started first, we wanted to control and be able to control our own destiny, right? Mm. So we have to become importers. So we became an importers in the US and we say, okay, now we have the importers. So when we bring the product to the US, we can allocate it. We can put it in specific places without another company tell us exactly how we have to do it. Then when we have the importing company, because of my background, I already have ahead what I wanted to do on the profile. We start seeing uh, the supermarkets and everything was going more towards sustainable products, certified organic, untouched manipulated consumers start asking more questions then and that's when i told you and i said listen if we're going to do something we have to disrupt and mm -hmm. in a way and we were not the first one there were other words doing it so yep. but we saw the amount of friends that were doing it was so small compared yep. to the whole world of agave spirits that are there tequila specifically then we start partnering with specific distilleries that have organic certification and for me that was a very exciting thing because everybody say, oh, we're in touch, we don't do that, we don't do that, we don't put pesticides. That's great. But I mean, I want it to be certified. I want other organizations to tell us, oh, yes, you're following every regulation. And we didn't just do it in the US. We went ahead and also did it in Europe in a way that we say, okay, yes, we control the raw material. That's, that was important for us. We don't use any pesticides on it when we grow the agave plant. All the, any type of fertilizer that we use is, is organic. Then on the process of production, I mean, nowadays you understand, I mean, what is the traditional method of production compared to industrial processes yep. of production? We want to represent what Mexico have to do it. And with the step by step until we were able to launch the tequila to the market. Wow. I mean, yeah, you guys got ahead of the well, trend. Um, you started doing <laughs> it right. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of brands now that wish they had some more traditional methods or you know they're all they're all scrambling to be sustainable now they're all scrambling to there are some brands that say they're sustainable and craft that raises eyebrows based mm. on the volumes that they produce and it took us a lot of time because it's not just the liquid the liquid yes we're the traditional method control raw material certified organic but also the whole packaging i mean that's what it took us a lot of time while we were waiting for or trademark for for our brand we were looking into suppliers that shared the same principles as we did. Mm -hmm. We wanted to use, you know, recycled glass. I mean, you know how many in the landfills, how much glass is, is disposed. So all our bottles are made out of recycled bottles of Coca-Cola or soda in Mexico. And we yeah. make them in Mexico in Zapopan. So, I mean, the cork that we use, I mean, we look and, okay, what are we going to use synthetic? We didn't want to use synthetic on our caps. So through, we were going to Spain a lot. We say, okay, who produced cork? Portugal mm -hmm. and Spain. So we started researching. And we find a company uh, that we're using, I mean, uh, it's called Portugal Glogomerado, which is the, the leftover from the wineries. Yeah. Pork, I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the leftover from, from the wine companies or people that use natural pork, you know, when they shape yeah. the, the cork tree, which they don't kill it. I mean, uh, it has a leftover when they start punching the corks, right? That part through the company is we buy it, they granulate it, purify it, and then compress it. So we are upcycling the leftover from the cork manufacturer. Wow. And the cap is made out of wood. We look into what type of papers that we were using on the labels. 
So it goes in the whole method of production, yeah. not just one part of it to well, tell us yeah. you're eco-friendly, you know? And I think even as far as the, the companies we choose to work with, we like family owned small businesses. So all of the companies that we have are first to third generation companies, um, you know, privately owned by couples or whatever the case is. And that was important for us rather than going to like a big uh, corporation just to make a pretty label, let's say. Yeah. And we took the time to go and meet them, right? We we didn't go to an agency and say, please make me a tequila, you know, like many <laughs> celebrities do. Let me stamp my name on it. No. A lot of people are doing that. Just yeah. Stamp your name on it. I know every family. And we're like, did you everything. try your tequila? <laughs> Even if they tried. Before you put your name on it? <laughs> so you can ask me who produces everything. I know the family who does it, how they do it. And yeah. I mean, I don't have middlemen when it comes into production. So how did how did this how did this come about? What, what were you guys doing before the company was started? What were you guys doing? Did you just both say, hey, we want to start a tequila business? Like, what was the conversations like? Like Jen, were you working somewhere else and he pulled you in or what was, how, how did this come about, this this company, this business of yours? So we're both in, um, you know, corporate world. He was in the, in the liquor and I'm in software engineering. Mm. And so I was doing my thing. He was doing his thing originally in Texas. Um, and actually in Texas, I was teaching. I was a teacher in a private school teaching computer science. Wow. He got an opportunity to move to the East Coast while we were dating. Long story short, I was like, and eh, no, I just met you. Uh, bye. <laughs> and, like, and he moved to the East Coast. We kind of did a long distance relationship. And uh, about a year later, I we were still talking. So I was like, OK, I'll move to the East Coast. Now. And and that was kind of what we did for several years. We were happy in the East Coast, enjoying it and living our life. Well, when you were you were on the west. You were. How did you guys meet, though? Then I guess let me ask that question. We, we, we met in Texas when we both I work in the liquor industry and, yep. and was doing something else. So from Texas, I got the opportunity to work here. But what she doesn't say so much is that while I was working for, for these companies, she started like saving and buying some domains and was many many years before we even because i'm kind of a dork i'm like i like that url yeah. <laughs> so bring good spirits i mean uh, or drink good tequila all those domains jen bought them many years ago and then that was part of the link uh they, they put our company together mm. but that was just something that it didn't come out uh right away say oh we got the name let's go ahead and buy this because nowadays you cannot find those domains so she thought about it like maybe how many years ago uh, 2012, I bought maybe like 20 domains related to spirits. Um, I thought they sounded cool. I didn't know what we were going to do with them, but I liked right them. Now. And I thought maybe it was going to be for uh, clients that I find because it builds websites. So I was like, maybe okay. we'll get a tequila company and I will build their website and sell them this domain kind of thing. So mm, they stay around, and then when we decide to do that, she's going like, "Hey, I have few scenes hiding," and we decided, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this is fantastic!" So, <laughs> how scenes are meant to be when you plan ahead and you just take a chance, you know? So I mean, I was kind of doing my own thing, slowly learning about the liquor world, and you know, Manuel was moving. He he worked in the you know agency side, the supplier. There was a period where he was kind of a partner in a different brand that we we sold. And we came at this crossroad where either once he sold that brand, he could go back into corporate uh, doing, he couldn't figure out what, because he's done all of the things basically yeah. besides being like 
an executive, right? In yeah, this and corporate yeah, it, company. It gets to a point that you don't, you're overqualified for a lot of positions yeah. and you get to a dead end. And yeah. that was for me, that was the, the time that he says, so it's not something that I say, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. This is the reality. No, you, you're made an entrepreneur because of the options that you have and the opportunities that arise. And that was the case with me. The opportunity arise and we step it up and we kept going as us working for corporations at a time. And know? we were lucky that, you know, we were in a position where we could sustain our life with just one income while he built the, the brand and the company. So I want to make, you know, that's that's a luxury that not everybody has. So we're lucky to do that. But it's one of those things where as he was considering what to do, it I told him you're all in or you go back. You can't, you know, do this on the side as a hobby. You need to quit and focus on that full time and get it off the ground. Yeah, that means when we started, uh, we were 100% self-funded. We yeah. found everything ourselves, no money from the outside. Yes. So, and that was the big risk that um, we how, scary, how like, scary is that? <laughs> Extremely well, scary. scary, you know, to spend your life saving. <laughs> Selling a bunch of stuff and going like, okay, we're going to buy, I already bought bottles. What else can we sell? <laughs> what else can we do in order just to get the next step into this? So is, is that how, that's how you funded it with everything you had? Yes, we yeah. went all in because I mean, yes, yeah. it, that was, um, but we were not scared. No, because uh, I think I don't know what else. I mean, what am I? I knew exactly the pieces how to put together. It's just that the, the part was is how you were gonna finance those. So I mean, we were very mindful of our money for many many years. So we had exactly and and the thing is, I mean, when you know how to do it, it's different when you hire somebody to do it mm -hmm. because yeah. of cost. So I mean, yeah. everybody have to make a living, as you know. So that's why lawyers are like one of our biggest expenses because we don't know how to do legal stuff, so we <laughs> have to budget for right legal legal fees. So was so what what happened first, the, the marriage or the business? Who you guys got married and then? Oh, way before we got yeah. married in two thousand eleven. Eleven. We gotcha. Met in two thousand nine, salsa okay. dancing in Dallas, yep. and then. Um, <laughs> And then we got married. We were originally going to get married uh, October 2010, but I felt like that was too soon. I'm like, I like ones and zeros because computers. And <laughs> so we did 11 11. Whatever works. <laughs> so the business came many years after. Many years after. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and so, so how's it going in the world of lots of tequilas and celebrity tequilas? How's everything going for you guys in the business? It's fantastic. I mean, during the pandemic, I mean, well, a lot of people, you know, uh, we all suffer personally. We that we took that time to start, you know, innovating, creating, thinking. Our company grew uh, a lot during that time. We it was difficult times for everyone, so we have to change a lot of the structure of the organizations. You know, mm -hmm. as you know, what we call on-premise or bars and restaurants were suffering, so we help yeah. as much as we can on the bars and restaurants, but we focus a lot into e-commerce and retail. So have been agile that way, Jen coming from the, um, you know, software engineering background or, or e-commerce, we understood very well. And I knew everything about the part of most of it about the liquor business. So the two together, I mean, we were fast and weeks, we were changing all directions and organizing and already have a different detour plan of what was the main plan. And that happened, I mean, a year into the company or, or a year and a half. So we were extremely young as an organization. A lot of people, you know, they say you build the, uh, your brand in bars and restaurants and then you go to retail. 
but it takes you more than a year and a half to do it. But we have we we were in a situation that there was no other option, like many other companies were there. And luckily, we did it fast enough where we actually grew during the pandemic time, and where we're able to keep innovating and sustaining exactly what we do. Wow, wow! And how, how did you how did you continue? Like, was there a secret sauce during the pandemic that helped you to grow? Like, I mean, most most companies, they either the big ones, like really blew up because everyone knew their brand. They just bought them in liquor stores. A lot of small brands had lots of trouble. Like, what what made you guys to be successful and grow during the pandemic? Yeah. I think we um, we iterate and we're small enough where we can try things. If they don't mm -hmm. work, we can try right. something else. We have really good relationships with different accounts. So they're they're able to experiment with us, with their you know customers. And so, you know, the drink to go movement that happened yes. during COVID was a big kind of impetus for, OK, how can we help as as a spirit brand to help uh, these on, you know, on-premise places sell. Mm. So it was a, div a division between the two, as you know, New York, we got hit very hard and in yeah. Jersey, but I mean, it was the same. So we partnered with the right, um, bars and restaurants that were doing to go. And we put all our efforts in that one. We invest money and a lot of them, we help a lot of people. We, we never, we didn't do any changes. The first two months of the pandemic were catastrophic for any company. Right. I mean, we, nobody, nothing moved. I mean, uh, we April didn't was like, Oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> we went from happen? a lot of growth to no selling one bottle. And then almost uh, two months later, we saw one case coming. So it's a life. <laughs> so, I mean, we started and from that one, we, we maximized everything that we did and said, so, like, listen, we're going to put an investment on it. We, we, we're not going to, yeah. we're not going to let this go. We have, we have, I mean, we have our industry that I felt an industry. I mean, I'm not just a person that, oh yes, I'm going to come out with, I have money. I'm going to come out with a brand. No, I came as an industry person. So. I, I knew that I have to stick with the industry and, and do everything that I could to make it happen. And a lot of us survive that way. I mean, it's wow. sticking together and doing everything that you could. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, just even talking to you, your, your approach always seems to be looking, I mean, I could be wrong. It always seems to be looking forward. I mean, you guys are not worried about the money. You're not worried about the pandemic. You're just like, okay, this is what it is. And we're going to move forward. And the, the conversations I've had with other entrepreneurs, they did very well during the pandemic just because of that. Other people got scared. Other mm -hmm. people just circled the wagons. Other people were like, ah, oh, the, the blamed whoever. Mm -hmm. You guys just didn't seem to blame anyone, just kept innovating. No, we have to. I mean, yeah. at that point, when you're 100 or 1,000 percent in into something, there is no plan B. And we never have a plan B, at least in my career. I don't plan, have a plan B, B means you plan to fail. So exactly. we don't have a plan B. Yeah. So you just adapt. And in the way that I described it back then, I said, listen, some of the big suppliers also struggle because you can see their numbers. And when you have, imagine, an 18-wheeler to make a tight turn, it takes some time and calculations. When you're small, we're like a, like a Lamborghini. We can, I mean, even though it goes straight, maybe not a Lamborghini, more like a Porsche. You can actually make those movements. Yeah. Tesla, a Tesla. Or even Tesla, yeah. You can make those movements very fast and, and, yeah. and adjust immediately and keep going. So you stay relevant. And that was the whole point. It's just staying relevant. <sighs> That's that's awesome, and I, and I and I love hearing that from small brands. And like, man, you you know, we both have worked for like large companies, and yeah. and you see it. You're just like, oh, you have an idea, and it takes six months, seven months, eight months, and you're like, and then finally they're like, oh yeah, we'll give you the green light for that idea, and you're like, it's irrelevant now. That that <laughs> idea I had is irrelevant. It's gone. We should have did it ten months ago. Now four other brands are already doing it. So yeah. It's it's cool to see you guys on the same page and just operating like that Porsche or that Tesla, just quick turns. Let's go. Let's yeah, do it. Man.
Yeah. We're like cocktails to go. Okay, let's figure out how we can do that, how we can help, how, what we can produce for and them. And achievements were extremely difficult. It's just about how fast can you react and be yep. good at what you're reacting because you have to think extremely fast. If you wait to see who you can copy, that's when you lose. We didn't yeah. look at anybody. We went immediately. We saw, we saw the opportunity. We said, okay, we're going to go ahead and do it. This is the plan. I got the team. I mean, uh, we didn't follow anybody on the team. I mean, we kept going. And and listen, if you stick to something, I mean, if you have something good to say or something good to give, I mean, you you stay relevant. You stay you stay alive. I mean, and you grow from that point. And that and pandemic for us makes us very stronger. Yeah, that that's awesome. I hate the waiting waiting to copy somebody uh, <laughs> thing. It's 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 terrible. It's like you know, I've been been working with brands and they just. They're like, well, everyone's doing this. I'm like, so let's do something else. Like, why? Absolutely, yeah. Why do that? So you guys, I mean, I don't know. You seem to have entrepreneurial DNA in both of your veins. What, what's the cause of that? Any inspiration? Did your family, your parents, uncles, aunts, where, where do you guys get that entrepreneurial spirit? I mean, from both of you. Yeah, I mean, I think my parents are both immigrants to the country, and my dad. Uh, was a mechanical engineer and he started working the corporate world and around uh, 10 years old he decided to open his own company it was like a oil change company and I worked there I changed oil there uh, did state inspections and wow. learned how to run a company and I really enjoyed um, the idea of uh, employing other people and giving them a living and running a business. And, and that's kind of what started my, it never was an option. It was always going to be a thing that we wow. started our own business. For me, it was yeah. a little bit different. For me, it wasn't <laughs> something like, oh yes, I mean, um, no, for me it was uh, when you stick too long doing something and, and the doors, I mean, you get to a point that you cannot grow anymore and you start hitting the wall many times and you got like, well, why should I keep going the same direction? Why not just go ahead and do your own stuff? And during that time, everybody called you crazy. Oh, oh man, how are you gonna do that? Everybody underestimate what your capabilities are. And for me, that make me stronger. I mean, it's a combination entrepreneurship. It's a combination of frustration, uh, proud, anger, all combined together, they make you drive because as an entrepreneur, everybody's saying no to you. Say, mm -hmm. said no, you live in eternal snows. It's how you overcome the no's, how yeah. you jump through it, and how you, you don't have to prove anyone, how do you prove yourself that you did it? Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, at the beginning, people question you, then at the end, they go like, yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. After <laughs> I went through all, through all the hoops, you know, since the perception starts changing on people. I think know? the biggest barrier is um, risk tolerance yeah. and I'm a big risk taker and you know getting Manuel is very conservative for the most part and so getting him <laughs> on board with like you know yeah. let's just do it yeah <laughs> so, it's a balance otherwise imagine <laughs> yeah so where where does that risk taking come from Jen do you know I just I you always had it were you with a green you know yeah. I would ride my bike as a kid and you know without hands and I the consequence was less important, I guess, mm. than just the enjoyment when I was a kid. And I think uh, in life, it's just, why not? Let's try. Love for Jenny, it. I mean, for Jenny, so listen, it's just money. I yeah, can make money, money all the time. It doesn't matter from which angle. So for me, I was like, okay, yeah, I know we can make money, but we have to think about this a little bit more. And I said, ah, yeah, yeah we, we plan it right. <laughs> and then uh, 
it pressure each other. So we challenge each other when it comes into growth and innovation at this point in the organization. At the beginning, kind of like, you know, like when you're going to jump in a pool, you're like, should I? I mean, I don't know how that deep it is. Uh, or even in the ocean, let's put it even more complex because I think that's what it is. It's a big ocean of brands and you're jumping on it. So, and you're always questioning. But after that, you challenge each other. And, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, I, she's always challenged me of how can we be better professionals the same, I do the same to her hmm. and even to our team that is so important in the organization. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, I feel like it's hard to learn that, like what you have, Jen, that like not worry about the consequences, but you know, I think I heard a quote. It's like there's there's two types of people. There's someone who sees the things that the see someone that sees the things they want, and someone sees the things that prohibits them from getting what they want. Mm-hmm. You seem to be the person that's like, I know what I want, and that's what I'm going to go for. I don't. You don't even see the difficulties. Uh, I really believe in that like mindset. That if it sounds corny, but I think that's what's kind of um, motivated me in my life. Is if you want it, yeah. You'll, you'll get it. It's like the song, I guess. There's a song by what's her name. I want it. I got it. It's just oh, kind of yeah, like, yeah. Yep. your mind to it. Ariana Grande. Yeah, Ariana Grande. It's kind of I've like, got two little girls at home. Yep, I know. <laughs> I was like, what song? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you, you don't know. You got you need you need tenure. <laughs> and I think it's really, you can't be uh, afraid of failing. Mm. You should be afraid of not trying. And that's always yeah. my, my motto. Yeah. So we're, I mean, I'm going to keep asking you this, like, did, did, is this just something you had? Is it, did it really come from your parents? Were you reading books about it? Were you listening to Tony Robbins tapes? Like, where did, where did you get this? (laughs) I mean, I, I believe in um, learning from other people's mistakes. So having good mentors, asking questions, being a, a lifelong learner, so I do read books about different things that I feel I don't know enough about, but I can't yeah. know everything. But, you know? but the thing is, that we have we also have to be very clear. It's not something that I mean. You can have that mentality. You have to be able back to back it up with knowledge. Right. I mean, uh, we didn't do this. I mean, just going into two years or three years or four years. I mean, we're talking about almost two decades that I was on it. So, so I mean, it, it was natural. We just don't want to give the message that yeah, if you put your mind to it, doing something like this. It doesn't matter if you don't know you will get it done. No, no, you have to. It's talent, it's knowledge, it's risk, it's being having the financial stability to do it and the longevity to hold it. That's the other part. I mean, uh, that you have to be able to to achieve. You know. Yeah, yeah. Any any of those books you would recommend? Anything on the top of your head that you? Uh, There's recommend? the one that you always mentioned that you read also, the old one, which I think is a really good. I always forget the name. I haven't read it, but Spin? It's, oh yeah, Spin. yeah. That's college, very old college book. Um, spin? Spin sales techniques. I mean, it's super old. Now it's not, in, in a lot of aspects, it's not relevant, but it's usually, I mean, and that's when it comes into selling. I mean, how can you sell something without selling something? Mm. So, and then my team, you know, they have heard me talk about that book. I mean, at the beginning, because what you do is, how can you talk to people to believe into what you're doing? Because we didn't come with all bunch of millions of dollars is to say, okay, I'm going to hire everyone. You have to be able to convey the message and create, you know, create that affinity with you and that excitement and people to trust you. And that's the part when you build a company, if you don't, if people cannot trust you, you're never going to be successful. And that's why, I mean, it's, it was a lot of talking. It was a lot of, uh, you know, execution. It was saying that it was more than words too. I mean, you can talk and sell it, but then you have to be able to deliver. 
So, and that's what we are known now because I mean, whatever we say, you know, we're always proud to say, I mean, it's gonna happen. And that that started from our team all the way to our clients and the people that are on board on the company with us. And that integrity, that's why, I mean, you have a lot of weight and a lot of reputation, how people got the reputation that you have. Yeah. And so do you, do you guys, I mean, do you have any business partners now? I mean, now that you're growing. Yes, now we do. Yes, we we're grown. all grown up now. <laughs> <laughs> it gets to a point that, that you need to learn more. And like then say, we don't know everything. I mean, we know specific markets and creating the part of the brand. But um, a year and a half ago now, we've had a partner. Um, he actually helped us when it comes into the growth of the global expansion and understanding. He's a top CEO many business under his belt. And for us, I mean, um, it was a search. I mean, it's not a combination. Yes, uh, we were not looking just for money because as you know, money is easy to find when you have something good. We were looking for knowledge. Yeah. And that was, uh, we brought him on board. He's been great. And that's when you see all this growth and everything that we're doing more because we, you always need help. This is not a business of two people. It's a business of a whole organization working with others. And I think that was a really important lesson as entrepreneurs starting a business and looking for uh, the right partner is identifying what the gaps are in our skills and our business needs and then finding the right partner that fills that because it was the least important thing was money when we were thinking about what we needed and you have to be humble as well because uh, a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of founders they feel like i know everything and that's the problem that's not my mentality is i want to keep learning who yeah. can I bring on board that I can learn from that person? And we, you learn every day. I learn every experience, even working with distributors, with my team. I learn from my own team. I'm going like, wow, this is great. We, uh, so I like to listen. I always like to listen. I always, I mean, I don't underestimate anyone and I treat everybody equally. And for me, that's been a great tool for me to use because it's my personality, first of all. But it gives me so much learning of every aspect of what's going on outside instead of being in one box and saying, this is the way we're doing it because it's my way or the highway doesn't work with me. So and that's why we stay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, I mean, you see, you see so many brands that are declining, but they don't change. They don't innovate. They don't listen. They don't, they're like, well, I don't understand social media, so I'm not even going to do it. And then you just you see them fall by the wayside because they've, they're not, they're stuck in their ways. Yeah, the hardest part is, um, and we mentioned it, is recognizing as a business owner your own blind spots mm. and having people there to help you. Because uh, sometimes you are like, well, this is my product, so my opinion is right. right. And that it's not always the case. You know? And that's the beauty. You always have to see is how can you feed it. And with Aldes Tequila, that was when we started with the first brand. It was exactly how can we position it? How can we make sense to the consumer? No, not coming from the major corporations, which I knew exactly how they spend their money and I did it for so many years. How can you do this in a way that is meaningful and you can create long-term partnerships? Mm. And that's exactly the, we started with uh, the tequila. Then the opportunity came and we started traveling to Spain. And when it came to Jim, I asked Jen, wow, Jen, I mean, I, we can do something special and let me backtrack on this one because this is a great story <laughs> and it, it's something related to our trademark if you notice that our brands is called oxygen and aldes tequila our last mm -hmm. name is axualdes yep. when we're getting our trademark i mean uh, we we applied for one we wait eight months like you say and then we got denied by the uspto in the united states mm -hmm. and that was that was devastating for us because we invest all this money and we couldn't even get to market because we didn't have a name 
took me months. And the reason, just for background, for tequila, in order to actually even be able to produce it, you have to have a trademark. So that yeah. was like a hard block. They won't launching. produce for yeah. you. So they say no to our trademark. We start searching and say, oh my God, one name was open books and everything. And then just walk by one one afternoon that you see some my 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 foreigners and frustrations and say, why do you don't call it Aldes? And mm. and I'm going like, well, I know where you're coming from, but it's not it's not about us. It's about you know the tradition. Who are we gonna represent in this case? Was Mexico and tequila? And then she goes like, but think about it. I mean, Aldes is uh, two syllables. See all those brands; they have two syllables. People can remember them. So yep. Aldes tequila. And then with time, we start going to Spain, and and she at the same time she trademarked Axu. So she trademarked trademark both for half, split the last name in half, Axu and Aldis. Because I was like, why not? You know, if, if right. it was so hard and we lost the first trademark, let's try to, you know, lock in another name, whatever it will be. We, we didn't know what it was for. That was, I mean, uh, years prior. And then we started traveling to Spain and fell in love with Spain so much. And we said like, wow, this is great. What does Spain have to offer? At the beginning, we want to take tequila to Spain. And back then it was like, Wow, they're only drinking regular tequilas. It will be very hard to take an ultra premium here. Mm-hmm. And we start seeing the Spaniards' culture. What are they were doing? What are they were eating? And they were drinking a lot of gin. Yep. And then I look at gin. Then one time said like, Hey, listen, if you like so much everything about Spain and the and the culture, why don't we don't make a gin? And then we went like oxygen. And we said like, Oh, so we <laughs> use. We went and, and did the Aksu game. I wish we could have yeah. recorded that moment where we were like, like yeah. you know, Aksu could be like Aksu vodka, Aksu whiskey, Aksu gin. Oxygen. <laughs> and we were like, yeah. But then came another problem, how to make gin. <laughs> because, I mean, we knew tequila so much. I mean, and, and, and what I told Jen at that point, he said, listen, if you can actually, if we can do gin, we can actually prove ourselves that we just not just tequila producers and well or, or or commercialized tequila brands because I mean the distilleries produce your profile but you're not distilling. So with gin was a great challenge that it took a lot of years from us. It took exactly three mm-hmm. and a half years. It took so much time that we got even investments into the distilleries in Spain. Wow. So I mean creating the profile and that's how access started. Wow. Wow. Again, I love it. You're just like you went for the product and then you're like, oh shit, we need to figure out how to make yeah. gin. Like, oh, what, what's gin again? <laughs> <laughs> and in the brand, finally, listen, we started almost at the same time. You yeah. see now four years selling. We just launched the gin uh, last July and oh. we have multiple awards. We're going to say here and announce in, in the next few weeks of what we won globally. Yeah. We're selling in Spain. We're in phenomenal places. And in New York, we're spending now with uh, national distributors with all the portfolio. So in a way now, when I launched, when we tried in New York and people love Orgen, now we said like, man, we have something great going on. Now we're not just tequila, we're gin. And later on we said, okay, let's go to the mezcal and you know the difficulties to produce yeah. mezcal, mainly from the legality aspects in Mexico. Finally didn't. We got some samples on board. We started trying the mezcal and some of our good friends that runs great bars in New York and in New Jersey and the guys love it and going like, wow, my God, we're going to get, we want to establish as an authority when it comes into artisanal products, because we want to convey that message. I mean, it's the, through that this deal is trying the culture of a country, of Hispanic mm-hmm. country. And that's the mission of Dream Good Spirits. But wow. I got to say like the gin and the mezcal were 
so um, gratifying because tequila is one ingredient and because it's certified organic, we're kind of limited in what we can do with the flavor profile. But the gin is 100% our, our preference, really. Yeah. And to right. have people really enjoy it and tell us how great it is or one of the best gins um, and getting similar feedback for the mezcal is just like, yeah, the best thing you could ask for. You know? <laughs> so now we have more responsibility. I mean, uh, and that's the responsibility goes to our clients and also to our team. I mean, I would say we were never going to come up with something that we don't feel strongly about. And if I have to wait like a did three and a half years to launch a, a new category, a new brand, mm. uh, I would do it in whatever time. And if it's not ready and I do the investment, I would never release it because that would take a lot of the magic part of our team because our team is super excited because like oh my god i see other brands i don't know how people sell it i bet it's so difficult and and for us it's just presenting it and so the problem is that then you have is how you spend because mm -hmm. i mean you have the, the bandwidth that you have is so much and that's when now you're going to start seeing us going with some great distributors across the u.s yeah how long how long has that mezcal been out for it hasn't come no, out yet. It hasn't no, come out yet. The first battle, a lot of people have seen the pictures on yeah, it. Yeah, this one, it'll, it'll be out in um, September. No, no, no. It's going to be out in the second week in July. <laughs> you see sales? sales. Market. <laughs> September. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's like, I need more time. I need more time. Yeah. He's like, no, we're going to market today. Yeah. And what we did, all the mezcal, we wanted to be traditional. So we're doing an artisanal mezcal. Uh, and we launching in the market with an ensemble. There is a blend of three amazing mezcales. Espadín, we're using as a base. We use Tobala, but we're using Jabalí, which is a very rare mezcal that was very hard to find, but we also said like, okay, I've seen what is in the market. I have to do something that people are gonna go like, man, that's so crazy how you do something like that. But it's what's bringing the best flavor profiles for those three beautiful agaves. And now you're gonna start seeing some mezcal, a lot of mezcals coming out as an ensemble, because nowadays everybody went to single varieties. Yeah. So when we work in any brands, we wanna say, okay, how can we make a difference how can we keep portraying and how can we keep educating people on such a amazing categories that we work on and that's the idea behind it and we did everything from scratch when it comes into the mezcal so usually when you talk about blends and I, and I walk you through that part because a lot of producers don't speak about this is that you have three different distilled single agave plants and then you do a blend and then you say okay this is why we did it the way we did it, the percentages of it I didn't want to do it like that. So when I was talking to my producers in Mexico, I said, like, listen, guys, how how it tastes if you cook all those agaves since the beginning? And they look at me and go, like, that's very risky, but it's going to taste good. But whatever comes out, you're buying it all. <laughs> and I said, because, I mean, that's not that. they cannot sell that anymore to anyone with the blend. Right, it's yours. You can blend. You break it, you I, bought it. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I talked to the team, I said, <laughs> to Jen and him. And the I team said. and going like go for it. I said like yeah we're gonna go ahead and do it. I said yeah do it. What what is it to lose? I said like oh, what a, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we I called the team in Mexico and going like guys let's go ahead and do it from scratch. We're all in. We're gonna I know I trust in you. You make phenomenal mezcal at the palenque. Let's go ahead and do something different. And we did it that way. So it's an ensemble uh, on hot instead of cold blend. So and that's what is. Uh, I don't know how many out there. I did a lot of research and didn't find that many, but it's no way to know exactly. Somebody can say they are, but we right. have all the pictures, <laughs> the way that we cook it and the way that we did every aspect of it. 
That's cool. So you've seen, I mean, from working with your big brands, you know, decades ago, tell me your thoughts on how's the American palate been? I mean, I know my age, you know, we grew up on certain tequilas, went to college, no one liked tequila. I hate it. Gave me a headache. Obviously, the, the consumer started to change here in America. What have you seen over the last like 10 years? Are people, like, give, <laughs> give me your feedback on where we were and how it's going today with, with the American palate on tequila and, and mezcal. Well, let's go almost 20 back. I mean, uh, in my early 20s, I was working in, in Dallas and then I ended up working in El Paso and McAllen. During that time, I mean, there was only one brand. Everybody knows that huge brand that everybody have those memories when they drink it. And I was selling a, an ultra premium brand that was just getting it started and I couldn't give it away. And it was very hard because they always went back to that brand and said, oh, no, you send me that one. Everybody knows that. Mm. Even though everybody regretted next morning, that's what it is. And little by little, you know, people, I mean, the big companies did an amazing job spending the money. And that's what sometimes people don't give credit to credit right. deserve. If it wasn't from the big major suppliers spending millions and millions years after year, we didn't have the opportunity to come to market. So they did all that legwork and I was part of that team that did it. 10 years went by, I ended up working and coming to the Mid-Atlantic and eventually to New York. So that was a big change for me because I, I started thinking, my God, I came from a little town sent from Dallas, selling in McAllen, selling in El Paso, selling in Dallas, which is, you know, Texas, come on, they drink tequila. Uh, and then ended up educating consumers in te on tequila specifically from New Jersey all the way to New York and presenting in these amazing places with major groups. I mean, it's, it feels great to be part of that history. And that history is not just me. I mean, uh, it's, tequila have evolved so much in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years that you can talk to people and go like, yeah, I remember back in the day how what it used to be a product, you know, the drink of the people, nothing like a nice bottle of wine that you put on the table. It's kind of like the bottle that you put under the table and pull it up for shots. So that's a long trajectory that we have done. And it's, we're all part of it. I mean, it's the yeah. U.S. consumer is the most important consumer when it comes into tequila. So saying how it, it been in tequila, I mean, I, I can I feel strongly enough to say that U.S. play the biggest role into the growth of tequila in the world because we consume the majority of it. I think from an outsider from the liquor world, what I've noticed as a consumer is that in seeing that people are more educated about the production process. They're more familiar with what a, a gnome is and where to find information about brands. They call brands more by name now. Right. Um, and I, I think that they're just more educated and opinionated, which is a good thing. They know what they like more nowadays. Yeah, tequila, as you know, become the third biggest category. I mean, vodka, yeah. whiskey, tequila, and then rum. I think those are the four, the last information that I saw. But now they're saying that it might surpass even American whiskey, which it blew my mind. I mean, in, not in a million years, I was thinking right. when I started in this business, working on this category that was misunderstood, going and say like, oh yeah, we might be the second biggest category in the US when you combine tequila or agave distills against yeah. any other category. Yeah, that's amazing. We, when we started Arte Agave 10 years ago, I couldn't, I couldn't beg people to come to my event. <laughs> I, was, I, was I wasn't your first event. I wasn't yeah. your first event. I know you were. I know. And it was just like half the people in that event were free tickets. I was like, just come. come. <laughs> we, did a, we did a whiskey event that year and we sold out 500 tickets. And I was like, oh my God, this agave stuff is tough. We didn't, 
I didn't make money for three years. And, and yeah, so how, how is now, Walter? I mean, how long do you take to sell? Because I mean, now, we're good now. Now, I mean, I mentioned I have brands that call me now and, and like, hey, I want to be part. You know, it's cool for us. We have a name that people know and they respect. So people we do get recommended a lot. So people are like, hey, I heard about your show. I want to be part of it. Um, but the ticket sales are great. I mean, we just there's there are people that have been coming for six and seven years. Um, but they're, I, I think, you know, to your point, they're more knowledgeable on where it's from. They're more knowledgeable about stuff. Even when I was bartending 10, 11 years ago, people were like, what's a reposado? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Now that's like old news. Now people want to yeah. know what the different mezcals there are. But like 10 years ago, they really had no idea what an aged anything was, uh, in tequila. They just knew their three, four five brands. But I, I knew about 10 years ago, there was a lot of conversation around it. They were asking all those questions about this brand, that brand, what else is there? Um, so I knew the consumer mindset was changing. Did I think it'd be going through the roof as it is today? Not really, but I knew it'd be expanding. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be in this category together and, and see all these American consumers, not just consume it, but appreciate it as well. No, and, and, and a lot of things that happen in sales. So thanks to people like you, they believe in the category since the beginning, put all these events behind it, you know, three years without losing money or not making money is a lot of years to put behind and going through. So, I mean, uh, we're part of this growth together. I mean, uh, all these brands, amazing brands out from corporations to small craft producers. This is what makes the dreams work. I mean, it's, it wasn't the work on only one brand. It was a group of a country together with many, many corporations and many, you know, families producing it, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's, Fair enough. Everybody's excited about Agave, and and it's in, we're doing our job, you know. One, some better than other, but anyway, we're and all part of this mix. It's a little bit like I think it's going to be like Groundhog Day for Manuel because the education and the growth and knowledge that the U.S. consumers have on tequilas and mezcals and, and specifically other parts of the world are behind. Yeah. So it's kind of like as we're launching into uh, Europe. It's reliving those McAllen days and and, and or the McAllen Texas, Texas days. <laughs> the, the old days. days. No, no, we're selling whiskey. Yeah. No, no, those days. I mean, yeah. And and the more we travel around the world, the more we see the opportunity for tequila and mezcal. But now with a different approach. Now, I mean, uh, EU or uh, all Europe now is open to that. Australia, Asia. I mean, uh, is they're booming. It's still very segmented. I mean, it's a specific niche. But that's the way they started here. So that ignite. Uh, a lot of interest around the world. And that's why Mexico now is so popular on everything. I mean, from the culinary to the best parts of the world to, yeah. to yeah. I mean, the best tequilas, agave still. Now it's tequila, mezcal, bacanora, sotol, raicilla. I mean, you yeah. name it. I mean, the, the agave still, there are many now to choose from. So this category is going to keep getting better and better. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys sharing sharing your story. I would ask you what's next for you guys, but you have the gin, the mezcal, is coming out. Um, however, I do I do see some animals running around in the background. I don't see any I don't see any kids or anything. Is there any kids? <laughs> no kids. Those are our kids. Okay. <laughs> we have two uh, hairless cats. Hmm. One is called Harry. The other one is Apollo. And then we have a regular cat and a Chihuahua named Tequila. Yeah. <laughs> tequila is 15, almost sixteen years old, so you can see that. Uh, a name a long time ago. He's the OG tequila. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So where where can um before I let you go, where can people find you guys? Instagram, website, can they buy purchase everything online? Dreamgoodtequila.com will take us to our uh, our website, the same Dream Good Gen. Uh, you can find our product online. You can buy it on our site. You will also available and market us in Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Florida, California, Colorado. We're going, we're launching into DC, Maryland in the next few uh, few weeks. We're in Texas available. That, that's why we have the opportunity to be in many cities with you. And we're so excited to see you yes. in person and to keep doing what we do. So yes, and please, if you like our brands or would like to learn more, Follow us on Instagram. I mean, um, at Aldis Tequila and then Oxygen. And Aldis Mezcal, very soon you're going to be able to see it as well. So you can follow yeah. Aldis Mezcal. There are no posts yet, but that's yeah. okay. That but we, we engage. I mean, when you type something on our social media, you're either talking to Jen or somebody from, or myself. And we always know exactly. And we, we're very active with our team. You can talk directly to us there. Very, very cool. Listen, I, I appreciate this. And I, I thank you for the support. I mean, for, a decade of being part of Arte Agave and then of course with Aldez now. So I'm excited that you guys are going to be with Arte Agave in many different cities. And it was really cool talking to you guys, getting to know your story. And uh, I, I love it. I love the, the no nonsense. Let's go. Let's figure it out. Attitude. It's really, really cool. Looking forward to it. Well, listen, thank you guys. I appreciate it and uh, enjoy your, your afternoon. Excellent. You too.